Well, now I think I've seen just about everything. I crossed over the border into North Carolina, and there are signs up that say Democrats for Trump. Go figure. Welcome to Grounded, the place to hear the salty truth. I'm your host, Scott Cates, coming to you live from the Northeast Georgia mountains and the tiny town of Tiger. Where for the last three days, incredible at this time of year, normally we don't see these record high temperatures like we have, but it's been about 80 degrees for the last three days, sort of a crazy summer kind of feel, even warmer than summer usually is sometimes, but they say it's going to drop out pretty soon tomorrow. Get into some freezing temperatures, which for us will be kind of nice as the fall creeps in. Normally, this is, we, we really, I think we've gone through peak season actually by now. Most of the leaves are off of the trees uh, at this point. And by tomorrow, when the winds that are coming this evening and tomorrow evening, I'm sure they probably will be in our area. So it's been pretty out there, though, right now. It always is this time of year. But also at the same time, this time of year, people get ready and they get excited about the holidays and excited about all of that. And we're seeing. I don't see the excitement quite this year that I've seen before. Now, uh, for those of you, this is episode 30. We're going to call this the building blocks of hope. But episode 30, it's a landmark. I I know some of you thought we'll never get to it because the last few weeks, uh, I was in a place actually at one point where I couldn't get the links out for two weeks straight. So if you go back on and you click on the link, you'll see a little line that says, see all episodes, whether you're on Spotify or whether you're on iHeartRadio or whether you're on BuzzFeed, whatever it is that you're on. When you click on the link, you should see, see all episodes. And you can back up to the two before, which is 28 and 29. Because so many people came and said, we only got to episode 27. Well, there are two prior to this you can listen to. But since I recorded those two, Lot a lot has happened in current events. Obviously, what's going on over in Israel, you're hearing about that 24-7 most of the time. Don't need to go into all the details on that, except for the fact that it is predicted to become a regional conflict, which is it's predicted to really widen out. We'll see if that actually happens. But if it does, it could get intense. I saw the World Bank today is warning that fuel prices, if it does become um, a a widespread conflict, that fuel prices are going to soar higher than we have ever seen. That's not great news. Saw another article that said that uh, last week uh, a decision was made or um, uh, uh, something was passed uh, based on Bidenomics last week that was sort of catastrophic to the, uh, the, the future and, uh, and the things that are going to come, the economy itself. And so we're going to see a lot of people, I have people ask me the question all the time. How do you prepare for what's ahead? How do you prepare for the future? Answer is, I really don't know. Wish I had an answer for you. I wish I could give you this, this simple answer, but I don't have a simple answer. I know most people are looking at, at, at right now, how are we going to make it through the holidays to, to do the things that we're going to do? How are we going to buy the Christmas gifts that we need to buy? When mayonnaise is $8 a jar, I can't imagine what a Thanksgiving meal is going to be for most tables. And I realize we'll do it. I also realize that debt, personal debt, is getting larger and larger. 
I was watching uh, just a, the, a financial report today that was saying that most Americans now have dipped into their savings and they're not able to save like they once were, which is also concerning, I know, on many, many levels. Got to look into the faces of a number of people who are facing a number of different things in their life. And I got to sit, sit down with some friends, and we were sitting down talking about what is it? What, what exactly is it that's going on right now? What's causing all of this feeling of hopelessness in some ways or this lack of hope that we once had that is missing? And so as we began to talk about what's going on and why people are so anxious, I know we use that word a lot, oh, anxiety, we've got... You hear it all the time. But why are people anxious and why are they stressed and why are they facing the things that they're facing? I was in the Air Force for four years. And while I was in the Air Force, one of the, the job that I had um, was an aerospace physiology specialist. You've heard me talk about that some before. But one of the things that we did was we would put stress on the human body and the stress that altitude and speed both would 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 take on the human body. For instance, when you take the human body and you put that human body at, say, just a, a relatively lower altitude and you shoot that human body into a very high altitude, it is extremely stressful and puts all kind, wreaks all kinds of havoc on the human body. Most people don't realize that you just can't breathe it. 40,000 feet and, and stay alert. There's, it's not that there's not enough oxygen. It's not, it's not that the, the, the oxygen level is any different than it is at ground level, but air has a weight. And the pressure that that air is under actually goes through the membrane of your lungs and allows you to absorb oxygen. Well, the higher that you get, the less that air actually weighs, the less the pressure on your lungs actually are. And so you won't absorb oxygen the way that you do the higher that you go, which is why at sea level, most of the time, people will move to a sea level location that are very sick and they do very well. The human body is not designed for rapid change like that. When you'd go through a rapid decompression on the human body, it wreaks all kinds of havoc on everything within the body. But at the same time, I used to teach a class on night vision and you can see real quick, all of a sudden, when you flash a white light at night, how blind you can be in a moment and how long it takes for your body to recover. You're not designed for your vision to change that quickly from dark to light that quickly without, or, or from light actually to darkness. We're, we're actually designed to be able to, when the, the, the light is flashed real quick, to be able to see in the, in the light very well. But when it turns dark, it takes some time for that body to adjust and for your eyes to adjust and for your rods and cones to build up in your, in your eyes to be able to actually see at least some in the dark. We're designed for instantaneous changes most of the time. Also, when you take the human body and all of a sudden you take it from zero miles an hour and you put it at two, three hundred miles an hour, you get a thing called G-force on the human body. doesn't do too well. When you turn real quick or you make fast maneuvers because the body's not designed for that kind of stress. Now we get to talk about the mental aspect of all of it. 
One of the things that we used to do is give pilots and crew members a test. Where, how stressful were you in your life? Have you lost someone that you loved that was close to you in whatever way? Have you actually bought a new house? Have you moved recently? Two years, by the way, two years, a move still has, it takes its stress and its toll on, a, on, on people at two years after the move. That's what we discovered. Has anything changed? Have you had your house foreclosed on? Have you had financial difficulties? All of these things were on this test because of the fact that the more ra- at the more rapid pace that life would move or the more rapid pace the human body would move, you have to be able to make decisions on the fly mentally. And for a pilot who's flying a fighter jet, if he's stressed out, what happens is all of a sudden he'll look up at some point and he'll fixate on one thing instead of being able to perform the tasks at high speed he should. And no matter how, no matter the amount of training that he gets, the stress will cause him to stop for a moment and not be able to think well because we're not designed for rapid changes. Not constantly. We can do that, but we can do it on a short term. But rapid changes constantly take its toll on the human mind, take its toll on the human body. And we wonder today why we're facing heart disease. And we say, well, it's our diet and it's all, it's a number of things. The pressure of constant change that comes all the time. We weren't designed for that. Now we add on top of this social networking, media, all of these things, and we see this change happening rapidly at a rapid pace on a, just a nonstop basis. And as that change takes its place, and we watch the news media one evening say one thing, by the next morning changes altogether, by that afternoon changes again, and these constant changes that never end. And it's all instantaneously taken in, into your mind, in, into your heart. All of these things are taking place, and it reeks Havoc. Now, if you add personal tribulation on top of all of that, the things that you face in everyday life, and you add those things that we asked on the stress test on on top of everything else that's going on in the world, then it brings us sort of a form of hopelessness that comes, and and it happens that way for a reason. You were designed, uniquely designed, and you were designed literally to be stable you were designed to live on solid ground you were designed to be stable most of the time you were also designed that you've got enough adrenaline in your system that when intense moments come you can hype up that adrenaline and it allows you to make it through the moments short bursts of moments that you need to make it through in order to go about everyday life. And that adrenaline does everything. It makes you alert. It causes you to be awake. It's incredible. And then if the, if the trauma is too great, if the trauma is too great on the, on the human body, you just shut down. Like in the centrifuge, you just pass out. Or if the, if the trauma is too great, you go into shock. It's a built-in mechanism, built into the human condition. It is what it is. Yet we go on every single day feeding this ride of life 
with changes that are nonstop, and we think that it's not going to have some effect. Ladies and gentlemen, it does. Now, I've learned this about myself. In crisis mode, I function well. I, I do. There could be 50 people in a room and a crisis hit and everyone go crazy. But for me, I can stand up and just say, okay, we need to do this and this and this until the crisis is over. And then after the crisis is over, then it takes a toll on me for a few days to a week or more afterward. What if you have to live in crisis mode all the time? And that is what many families and what many people are expecting that they're going to face coming is having to live in crisis mode 24-7 for the next few years. That is simply, folks, that takes its toll on the human body, on the mind, on all of it. Now, if you combine that, there's a, there are some things we're going to talk about today. And I think in order for us to really go back and look at the building blocks, that's what takes our hope away in some ways. Because there's a certain way that when we face tribulations in our life, difficult times that come, there's a certain way that we're to face those as human beings. And God really does have a design for us. And there's a building block of hope that is really amazing. And in Romans chapter 5, actually, verse 5, it says, Now hope does not disappoint. One more time. Hope does not disappoint. If we can keep our hope in our life, and, and, and I'm just going to take that a little bit out of context for a second, just for, just for individuals. If we can have hope in something, it never disappoints. I hope in this there's not a disappointment until whatever it is we hoped in becomes disappointing, and then that becomes the disappointment. But the hope itself is never a disappointment. So when our hope is built on that which is solid, and we allow that hope to be built on that which is solid, it changes the way we go about life. Now, it also is contagious. That hope is contagious to those people who are around when you can hope in something that is solid. And this is what the, we're going to the scripture today because we need to, because God has a way that he's designed the human body and the human condition that we're going to find the hope that we found in him, the hope that we have in him, the hope that we find with everything that has to do with him does not disappoint. So for those who believe in Jesus Christ, hope is powerful. It's important. First Corinthians 13, we see faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love, but there is faith and hope. Faith, which is given to us by God, a verb which causes us to go into action. It's the hope that keeps us moving in that action, which is pretty amazing. We hope as we continue to press forward, and it's the love that drives us to move forward in what we do. And what does that mean? It's not all about just self. A man can sit on a pew and open up his Bible and read his Bible and memorize verses every day, but never do anything about it. Now, I'm not saying that reading the Bible is, I'm telling you, reading the Bible is a fantastic thing. Knowing the word of God is important, but putting that faith into action is also just as important, if not in some ways more important. Hope does not disappoint, ladies and gentlemen. 
because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. That's Romans chapter 5, verse 5. But what happens before then is what I want to talk about in these verses. Because he talks to believers. And he's talking to believers in Jesus Christ, those who have come to know Christ, those who have put their faith and trust, those who are walking in Jesus, those who have been forgiven of their sins. It's amazing to us because the greatest, the absolute greatest miracle of all time, the fact that your sins can be forgiven of you, blotted out, taken from you, we treat as cliche oftentimes within the church of Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, we know about that. Oh, I know about forgiveness of sin. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the most powerful thing on the planet because prior to Jesus, there was no forgiveness of your sins. They were attributed to you. They were all yours. But when Jesus came, your sins could be blotted out, taken from you, cast as far as east is from the west yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That is a miracle beyond miracles. It's incredible. And he says this, Romans chapter 5, he's talking about this being justified. That's exactly what that means, justified by faith in Christ. We trust the work that Jesus did on the cross So now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So he's trying to tell you this. Now you can walk with God in peace with God because Jesus, Jesus has taken away your sin. Jesus has given you the ability to stand by grace. The scripture is clear. It says where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. But we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But not only that, we also now, and he talks about this, we now glory in tribulation. Now, this is something that is a really difficult thing to grasp a hold of sometimes. Because as the tribulation comes upon us, whatever it is, it's not something we look up and say, well, maybe we should rejoice in that. But he tells you why you should rejoice in tribulation. And by the way, much tribulation is coming. We're approaching the day of Jesus Christ as the time progresses. And so we, we it ought to not take us by surprise that tribulation is coming. And that's what, one of the things that's happening right now in Israel, them being surrounded, going to war. That really looks like the end days and end times And so because it does, we know the day is approaching. Well, tribulation is going to increase, and these wars and rumors of wars, all of this is going to take place. And so we know that that's going to to happen. But he tells us why we should glory in this tribulation. And the next thing that he says is we know that tribulation produces perseverance. Now, this is Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 that I'm looking at right here. And I'm in in verse 3. And it says that knows, we should know that tribulation produces perseverance. What does that mean? That means we're going to have to go through a difficult time that's going to grow us. Perseverance is a great word. For years, I've taught it like this. It's actually a two-part word. It's perseverance, if you look at the word. Perseverance, broken down, is perseverance. That's really how it's spelled out. I usually draw a line at the P-E-R right there and and teach people perseverance. It's important because whatever it is that you're holding on to, let's take a look for just a second. Let's let's. I I know that it, it's 
common to look at someone who might be addicted to drugs. But as a person goes through tribulation, they're going to turn to something that maybe is going to numb them from that tribulation. They're going to chase after something that they can grab a hold of. And oftentimes it's some sort of substance that will that will literally numb them to whatever the pain actually is or whatever it is that they're having to face. Unfortunately, that comes with addiction often as well. And so in order for that to happen, that tribulation comes, if they turn to that substance, they have to break that out of their life. And oftentimes tribulation will come in our life to break that which is of no value from us, to sever that from us so that we can now stand. It no longer has a hold on us. We've, we've been through that, we've lived through that, and we've persevered, which means it's been severed away from us and we can now stand in strength. And what happens when that happens is it produces this thing called character. And that's in verse four, perseverance. It produces, perseverance produces character. And now character comes because all of those things that we know are of no value are no longer a part of us. They've been severed from us. We've persevered. We've lived through that. We've come to the other side and we now walk differently than we did before. And then it says, and character produces hope, basically. So we're, we know that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. Now, today I began to look at, if you reverse the process, actually, I started looking at how, what happens if you reverse this? What if you back up and you go from hope back to character? Well, if you erase hope, character is what you've got left. The truth is without character, there is no hope. And you can look right now at a nation that at one point in time actually had character, but today is lacking in character. It's lacking in character because we've been told, we've been told that, hey, your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, and that is horrendous. It's how I feel about that. How you feel doesn't change the truth. How you feel doesn't change the facts. How you feel doesn't change the end results on that either. And it's a reality. What happens is, is that we get to this tribulation, but we don't like the way that we feel about tribulation. We don't, it's difficult. And so one of the reasons why he's telling us that we should glory in tribulation, because if we're not glorying in that tribulation, if we're not looking and saying, man, this is going to come, I'm going to make it through this, and we have a goal to make it through it, we usually end up stuck in that tribulation that will affect us. What do we call that today? A lot of times we call that PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And post-traumatic stress disorder is when we first saw these guys coming home from war because they were having to go through changes rapidly they never saw in their life and they had a difficult time dealing with that. But today, post-traumatic stress disorder is labeled on just about everything at this, at this point. You, know, you have PTSD because you had to go through this. You had PTSD because you had to live through this. You have PTSD because this was very hard in your life. And we, I hear this put, it, it, this used in people's lives that are facing difficult or have been through difficult moments. And oftentimes by given that, that title, if you will, of PTSD, they're just told this, you'll always have to live with this. Well, I do believe in PTSD. I do believe that men who've been to war, they used to call it battle fatigue in the day, where they were up, they just shuddered in fear. World War I, some of the, some of the films that came out of World War I who, from 
trench warfare who, who that where you saw men literally shaking that couldn't get beyond the shaking was because they knew they were going to die at any second and they were willing to die but the brutality of the blasts that came and all of the blood and the death that they saw brought them home from war and they were changed men and our wars have done that there's no doubt but there's a very different war that's happening in our lives right now it's a spiritual war the reality about the spiritual war listen carefully as i say this that in a spiritual war, we're told to glory in the tribulation so that it does not overcome us. I can't believe I'm facing this. I can't believe I'm having to go through this. I hear people, yes, I get it. I do. I understand. And I'm not telling you that I don't go through that same exact thing because I do. But yes, there are tough times. Life is not easy. The book of Ecclesiastes pretty much takes us through to tell us that life just isn't It isn't fair, and it is difficult. And at the end of the book, we basically come to the the end of that book, we basically come to the fact that life isn't fair, and it's difficult. And there's a reason for that, so that you can understand that this ain't heaven. So we should glory in tribulation. And we know that, that, why? Because we know that, Tribulation produces perseverance. There's something there that needs to be, I need to make it through this for two reasons. Number one, not only so that I can understand and know and be strengthened that I've made it through it, but for the person that's going to walk near me or next to me or by me that's about to go through it, that I can encourage and exhort them. And I'll I'll show you about that in just a minute. But it produces character. And the character is a different character. It's because I've lived through it now. I have, the, I have the ability to look and say, wait a minute, I don't want somebody else to go through what I've had to go through. I hate to watch someone else go through what I've had to go through. So now I have the opportunity to help them and guide them through that with the power of the word and the power of the spirit of God who's helped me and carried me through this. And it brings hope because that's what's coming out of our mouths now is this hope because we have it. We have this hope. It never disappoints. It's within us. You're going to see basically, I, if, I, if I went to Psalm 42 and I began to look at David in Psalm 42, Psalm 42, at this point, the enemy surrounded him. And as, as the enemy surrounded David, um, his soul was cast down. He couldn't figure out why his soul was cast down. He said, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. For the help of his countenance, the hope in God raises our countenance. It's amazing. But he's surrounded by an enemy that's constantly saying, where is your God? Where is your God? Where is your God? And he found himself at some point actually buying into the rhetoric, by the way, because we get down to a point where he says in verse 9, I'll say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? And today I hear people all the time say, God must be punishing me. He must have forgotten me. He's not hearing my prayers. By the way, that is not truth. We just have an enemy that's around us all the time saying, where's your God? Where is he now? Where is he? The truth is, is that we, we actually have the ability to now answer back. And the response of our answer back 
It should be he's right here within us. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is always with us. He's placed within us. He's never gone. We have the Spirit of God that as we pray and knows the intentions of our hearts, interprets that to Jesus, which is incredible. Through Jesus Christ, the prayers don't get missed. David is reminded in Psalm 42, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and at the night his song shall be with me. This is the prayer to the God of my life. He's the one that helps his countenance. But what happens? He was actually taken away. He was actually taken away and not given the ability to actually meet in the sanctuary with the rest of all of the rest of the people. And he says, for I used to go with the multitude. I, I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and of praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. And he basically said, I used to go. People would come. They would bring food. They were, they, when they were there, they were joyful. They were glad-hearted. I was, a, I was in the midst of all of that. Because there's something about being in the midst in the house of God, especially in a time of calamity and especially in a time of tribulation. The book of Hebrews, which is a powerful book, as I look at Hebrews and in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, which is, means this. Like David, they were saying, where is your God? Not wavering back and forth saying, Lord, where are you? Knowing that our God is with us, we hold fast to this confession of hope. For he who is promised is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful to keep us. He's faithful to hold us. He's faithful to carry us. He's faithful to guide us. He's faithful to teach us and guide us in all truth. He's faithful to point us in the right direction. He's faithful to rescue us. He's faithful to redeem us. He is faithful to uplift us. He is faithful every single day in every single moment. He who promised is faithful. Verse 24 says, let us consider one another. This is Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So in the beginning, we talked 1 Corinthians 13, faith and hope and love. We were, I, was telling, I was talking about that. We find hope in the middle of it. Hope's right at the very center, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love because faith is powerful in action, brings hope, which is light like crazy. There's this light in this hope that lights and brightens up a room. And so we're to take this hope that we have and consider one another. And we're to tell it to one another, encouraging one another. As a matter of fact, he tells you exactly how that's done. In order to stir up love and good works, the love comes so that at this point, what's the love about? It's not so that you'll love yourself. It's not so that you'll shower yourself more. It's so that you'll love others because there's great joy in loving others. There's great hope as you love one and love others. And there's fantastic joy in the fact that you exhort another and they're uplifted with you. Verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some do. It's amazing. 2007, we see the iPhone really come onto the scene and isolation begins to take place. I'm was reading an article the other day about 2007 being the year that the population started to decrease and decline because now we have the phone in our hand, you know? 
people get more isolated. They don't want to go out. Everything's at your fingertips and they don't want to they don't want to go out. Just an observation on that. No reason to have to go to church. No, have to, no reason to have to go get in the assembly. You can now watch it online. It's not the same. It's amazing during COVID, the people that came and said, it's not the same as being in the house. No, it isn't. Because when you're assembled together, there's a joy in the house. You can feel it. It is amazing. The power of the Spirit of God's moving amongst the people. It is incredible. He says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner that some do. There's a doctrine back in that time and a doctrine of this time that says, all I need is Jesus and nobody else. All I need is Jesus and nobody else. Just Jesus. As long as I have Jesus, I don't need anything else. Yes, you do. We need each other. We need each other as well. Because even though every one of us has Jesus, there are some days we're down and some days I'm going to pick you up and some days you're going to lift me up. And that is the way that it was designed by God. Because right after that, it says, in that same manner, not, do not forsake the, 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 forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It says, but, after that, but exhort one another. That means lift each other up. That means tell each other where you appreciate each other. Tell each other how much you love one another. Tell each other. Remind each other that God has a plan for each one of our lives. And we're, we're here and we're on display at this time. No mistake in history to be light in a dark world. So much more, too. Exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, the day is approaching. And it's amazing because the people of God, as the day approaches, because we've been teaching health, wealth, and prosperity till we're blue in the face, look up and they're scared to death of the fact that our little kingdoms, are we going to be taken away from our little kingdoms here? Or, or, or what's going to happen? The day is approaching. Am I ready for my first class flight to heaven? So have I got my popcorn and peanuts so that I can be ready to get on to the first class flight to heaven? Ladies and gentlemen, we ought to be out there with folks like Paul. It was like, if you really get into the book of Romans and you begin to take a look at Paul and Paul says, hey, you know, I would, if I could give it all up, everything in order that my countrymen would be saved, it would be worth it. I would do it. So Paul, his whole idea is everybody on the bus, everybody on the bus, everybody on good. What do you mean there's no seats left? That's okay. I'll take the next bus. And if even if I don't make it, it's worth it, by the way. It's worth it that I know that you did. Worth it to me. I spent a lot of time counseling suicides through the years. Talking people off the ledge. And I can tell you this. The one thing I'm talking when I'm talking to them in that moment, the one thing I can honestly tell you is I'm not afraid to die, but I'm really afraid that they will. I'm not afraid to die. I'm afraid they are. I'm afraid to watch them die. I don't want to see them, especially a senseless death. Maybe the reason why I speak the gospel the way that I do. I'm not afraid to die but I'm afraid that someone else might without Jesus. And that's just unacceptable to me. I know it's by choice, but it doesn't need to be by the choice that I made to not be all I can be 
for Christ. I learned something a while back. God designed me just like he designed you. And you've got a unique set of gifts just like I do. And I could say no. I mean, I could step up and say, no, I'm not, I don't think I'll do that today. No, I don't think I'll be involved in that today. No, I don't think, I'm too afraid to do this. These people will think I'm crazy if I, this person will think I'm nuts if I step up to, yeah, that happens all the time. But what if I don't? It's amazing. There are, there are times I just don't want to, being honest. But even in the times I don't want to, the weakest of my moments where I don't want to do that, I might not want to be involved in a conversation, but I step up to get involved. When someone comes to know Christ or they're encouraged in their faith in Christ, it brings a joy to my heart because in that moment, I'd happen to just be the catalyst for God to move. Ladies and gentlemen, you're alive today to be the catalyst so that God can move. And the reason why believers even are facing hopelessness often is because they refuse to be a catalyst for God to move in a time when you can be the brightest ever in history for Jesus. It's the truth. The building blocks of hope are there. Yes, tribulation is going to come. Tribulation takes you through perseverance. Yes. Perseverance builds your character so that you can shine for Christ Jesus. And then the next thing that happens is hope because that's what's coming out of your mouth. Hey, I made it through this and I made it through this in Christ and I'm here to tell you about the hope that is in him. And then we go on and we do this on a regular basis. We exhort one another. Man, did you see God move? Here's how God moved. Let me tell you about the hope I have because God moved. And we share that with someone else or they share it with us. And it's contagious. It's contagious. David missed it. He said, I was once in that fellowship and I longed to be in that fellowship again. I'm surrounded by people that are now saying, where is your God? Which is where we've come to. But you know what I'm finding? I'm finding that people that are outside of the church are now looking into the church and finding, wait a minute, there's actually character in there. There's actually the ability to overcome some things in there. And when they walk in the door, they're finding hope in there. And they're finding joy in there. Because in the hearts of the people who are in there, they're finding genuine hope and genuine joy and genuine strength. Because they're finding within the people of God, Jesus. That is what we're called to. The building blocks of hope. Learning how to rejoice in our tribulation. Not easy. Especially not being North American, not easy. But learning how to find joy even in the tribulation because God's building our character It's hard not to lose it. Hard not to lose that joy. I hear people say all the time, Yo, I had to take this toxic person out of my life. I had to take this toxic person out of my life. I had to take this toxic person out of my life. I promise you this. Listen to me carefully. When you come to know Jesus Christ and you're filled with the Spirit of God, you can look at what you might want to call toxic people 
And you can actually be a person that helps to change that toxicity. Oftentimes, because of the joy and the power and the glow of God that you have within you. The answer is not getting more isolated from more people. That's not the answer. The answer is not staying out of church and getting isolated from those church people. That's not the answer. The answer is not staying apart and staying alone just need me and Jesus. That's not the answer. The answer is actually living by faith, active in your faith, pouring out your faith, letting hope come out of your mouth. And the end result is watching love take place and transform everyone, including you, in front of your eyes. At a time where the day fast approaches that Jesus is coming. And he's going to prove and show you how powerful he is by the fact that you've stepped up and said, Okay, today, Lord, maybe I don't feel like this, but I'm going to let you be a catalyst in my life right now. And you just step up and say, Hey, how are you? Tell me about your world. And let someone begin to tell you about where they are. As you meet them and encourage them and lift them up and lead them or uplift them in the name of Jesus, it'll change your life. And I know so many people come and they say, well, wait a minute, I I don't go for that attention. I don't go for me to be the blessing. I go to be a blessing. I promise you this. There's never a time ever that you end up going to be a blessing that you don't receive one might not be the reason why you go but boy it's a blessing when it's over the other thing that's amazing is that power of the holy spirit that moves in our life is also another proof that god is real genuine real and it builds that foundation of faith that we live in walk on stand in powerfully it's what we're called to and who we're called to be. In a day of confusion where change is taking place like crazy all over the place and people are just shocked to the core about this changing all of the time, don't know where they're going, confusion, they can find stability in Christ and amongst the people of God in a powerful way. And that is incredible. It's one of the reasons why we're told to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. Hear that word hope. We're to be hope, ladies and gentlemen, to give an answer for the hope that we have and to be ready to do it in season, which is like, I'm ready. Let's go. I've prepared. I've planned. I'm ready for this. And out of season when we might not feel like doing this at all today. I got no, I'm in no mood to do this. I need a new attitude. I need my attitude adjusted. I promise you, when you say yes to Jesus, even needing an attitude adjustment, it'll change your world. He'll change your life. And that's what I have for you today. The building blocks of hope. You've been listening to Grounded. I'm your host, Scott Cates. What does all this mean? Well, it means this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, that's the first step. That to understand that the, the only way to come to God is if your sins have been forgiven of you. 
And in order for your sins to be forgiven, you must put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ by recognizing that you have sins in your life that need to be forgiven, that you are a sinner. And to come before him in repentance is to come before him literally and to ask for forgiveness of those sins and to turn to Jesus as he guides you in life. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that means he's the boss in charge of your life. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Will you just stop today and cry out to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Help me to walk with you. Lord, make the word, the Bible come to life in my life. Guide me in all truth and help me to be hope and light today. If you're a believer, maybe, and you've been caught in tribulations, things that are really difficult and you've been unable to find joy, would you go back like David? And basically, has David comes back and says, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Lord, help me to revisit that joy. Help me to find joy. Rejoice means to revisit that joy and to find it once again. Ask the Spirit of God to pour joy into your life. Finally, at this, it's so amazing. So many Christian bookstores are filled with self-help books. You can help yourself by doing this. If you do this, you can get. And it's amazing because so many people are looking for more light, more light. I need more light. Give me more light. The truth is this. You have light, and you do. You want more light? Here's how it comes. Let me explain. When you share the light that you have with someone else and the light comes on within them, and then that light comes on within another, and that light comes on within another, now it's not just your light, but there are four in the room. Four in the room. Ladies and gentlemen, you can light one candle, and it will light up the room. But when you light four, it gets brighter. When you light 400, it gets brighter. There's something about being in the fellowship of God and the assembly of God in the house of God. It's a bright place to be. Get in there, brighten it up, hang on to the joy, drop the criticism, drop it now, begin the exhortation, begin to look for the things that you love about being in the house of God, the things you love about Jesus and God's people, and encourage one another, lift one another up, because these are exciting times, these are exciting days, and God's about to work in an incredible way. Thank you for listening today. Episode 30, The Building Blocks of Hope. I'm glad you tuned in today to listen. We'll see you next week.